0: Alright, you're listening to Preach the Word broadcast with Dean Carmichael Jr. We're going to pick right back up where we left off last week in the book of Genesis. And we're looking at the subject of creation. And we're in chapter number 2. And the first seven verses is going to be our our text today. In Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Heavenly Father, touch this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we come to the second chapter of Genesis where we're introduced to some important subjects. The Sabbath, the Garden of Eden, the making of woman, and the institution of marriage. And before we get any further, let's turn our attention to an important principle of study in the bible and this is the first mention principle i want to quote dr j edwin hartle here and he says of the first mention principle that it's the principle by which god indicates in the first mention of a subject the truth with which that subject stands connected with in the mind of god dr a t pearson says this is a law we gave long since noted, and have never yet found it to fail. The first occurrence of a word, expression, or utterance is the key to its subsequent meaning, or it will be a guide to ascertaining the essential truth connected with it. Remember, this is Genesis. It's the book of beginnings. So there are a lot of first in the book of Genesis. So today we're going to look at the first 7 verses in chapter 2 which focus on the Sabbath and a summary of the previous chapter which is the creation of man. So let's start out with the Sabbath and let's read Genesis chapter number 2 and let's look at verse number 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all of the host of them. And on the 7th day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Number one, we have two main points. We're going to look at the Sabbath, and then we're going to look at the summary Which is verses 4 through 7, referring to the summary of creation. But let's look here at the Sabbath, which is verses 1 through 3. So, the first two verses, it's important to note two key things. Number one, God did not command man to rest in these verses, God does not give the Sabbath as a duty to Adam. In the book of Genesis. He will not give the Sabbath as a duty to man until the book of Exodus. And we'll talk about that in just, just a minute. But Genesis chapter number 2 verse number 1 through 3 is about God resting. It's not about man resting. This Sabbath this is not for Adam. This is for God. God is not resting because he is tired or weary. This is another thing you have to note. The first thing you got to keep in mind, God's not commanding man to rest. The second thing you got to keep in mind, as we just mentioned, God is not resting because he's tired. God is not resting because he's weary. It's, oh, wow. All that worked for me to, to make uh, all of creation. and I created the entire universe, and boy, am I tired. I need to take one day. I need a day off. God needs a day off, and I need to rest, and I need to recover. That is not what's happening here. God is not resting because he's weary, he's resting because his work is finished. The creation of the entire universe, friends, is now complete. So God has set apart a day for his rest. Once sin enters the picture in chapter number three, there is nothing else in the Bible regarding God resting. When sin enters the picture, when Adam disobeys God, the Bible tells us that the triune God becomes involved in man's redemption. There's no more rest there. In verse number three, God did two things to the the seventh day, to the Sabbath day. He blessed it and he sanctified it. That word sanctified means to set apart, to consecrate. So why would he do that? Because he rested from all his work. That word arrested me is Shabbat in the the Greek, and it means to cause, to, to cease, to put an end to. The finished work of God was absolutely perfect. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. I want to quote Dr. John Phillips here. He says, it is finished. The words rang out at the close creation as on the cross. They rang out again at the close of redemption. There is a great satisfaction in surveying a finished work. God stood back, as it were, to cast an admiring, contented eye over the finished work of his hands. And we'll look a little bit more at the finished work of God um, about how he rested and how we can rest. But before we do that, let, let's look at um, a couple more things about the Sabbath we see the Creator and the Sabbath, but we also see the children of Israel and the Sabbath. Now, as we mentioned earlier, God does not give the Sabbath to man in the book of Genesis. He gives it to man in the book of exodus, exodus twenty verse eight through eleven Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the sabbath of the lord thy god in it thou shalt not do any work thou nor thy son nor thy daughter nor thy maidservant nor thy uh, manservant nor thy maidservant excuse me nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates for in six days the lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that that in them is and this rested the seventh day wherefore the lord blessed the sabbath day and hallowed it God gives the Sabbath to the children of Israel, not Adam. Again, in Exodus chapter 31, verse 16 and 17, Wherefore, the little children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations, for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 13 and 14 tells us that the Sabbath was given to Israel. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai and spakest with them from heaven and gavest them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant. In Genesis chapter number 3, excuse me, in Genesis chapter number 2, verse 1 through 3, God is not giving man the Sabbath. God is blessing and setting apart the seventh day because he rested from his creation. So we see the Creator in the Sabbath. Then we see the children of Israel in the Sabbath. That's later on. That's the book of Exodus. You can't get those two confused. You can't mix the two up there. There are false doctrines that try to say that God gave Adam the the Sabbath day to keep it. And that is, not, that is not true. That is not what those verses... Read the verses, friends. Read Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. God has not given Adam the Sabbath day to keep it. God is resting because His work in the first six days, six literal days, was perfect. One more thing about the Sabbath. We see... The creator, the children of Israel. But then we look at the Christian in the Sabbath. How does the Sabbath day apply to the Christian? Does the Christian have to keep the Sabbath day? Do I have to keep the Sabbath day? Do you, as a believer, as a child of God, do you have to keep the Sabbath day? The Sabbath day is a symbol of the believer's rest in Jesus Christ the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 4, verse number 4 through 10, For he spake in certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his work. And in this place again, and they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached, enter not in because of unbelief. Again, He limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus have given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest... He also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Friends, when God finished his work, in those first three verses that we're reading here, when God finished his work, he looked and he saw that it was perfect. So he rested. In Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, that word justified in the Greek means to render righteous. In other words, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid it all. He did all the work. When we believed and trusted in him, he saved us. It's all been done. We can now rest in Him because we have been declared righteous in the sight of God the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. That song says, Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Just as God rested on the seventh day because His work was perfect, because His work was finished, the Christian, we can now rest. Because what Jesus Christ did for us, it was perfect. He was the perfect sacrifice. He's our propitiation. And when he died, God the Father saw his sacrifice and he was well pleased with that. And when we were washed in his precious blood, friends, we can now rest that Jesus Christ has saved us and we can rest in him. what a wonderful and beautiful picture that is. The Bible also says in Colossians chapter 2, going back to the, the Sabbath there, uh, the Christian does not need to keep the Sabbath. Uh, we have liberty in in Jesus Christ. We don't need to keep the law. We cannot keep the law. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. He came not to destroy, but to, to fulfill the law. He died on the cross. He became sin for us. He had to come. He's the not only the second Adam, uh, the, the first Adam failed. Jesus Christ is the second Adam, but he's also, most importantly, he's the last Adam. We don't need to keep the law. Why? Because we have Jesus Christ. And we don't need to keep the Sabbath day. We have liberty in, in Jesus Christ. Jesus kept the Sabbath. Matthew 5, 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He fulfilled the law. He came to redeem his people. From the penalty and the bondage of sin, he kept the law why or, yeah, he, he kept the Sabbath day because he was here to fulfill the law. It's very important that we understand that, not to destroy it, but to full, fulfill it. We see the the Sabbath day. God rested there in this chapter. He looks at his creation in six literal days, the entire universe. All the stars, all the planets. And God sees his work and Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made and he rested. We see number one, the Sabbath. Number two, let's look at verses four through seven. And this is referring to a summary. Uh, God is now going to give us a summary of chapter number 1. We're going to go back and we're going to revisit a couple of things that, that happened in, in uh, chapter number 1. So let's read here together Genesis chapter number 2, verse 4 through 7. These are the generations, or another word, families, of the heavens and of the earth when they were created... In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth, and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Now, here in verse 4-7, through we're given a recap of creation. A summary, if you will. And there's, there's three things we want to look at. There's the center of creation, the condition of creation, and then the conclusion of creation what what's the center of creation we mentioned this last week well what's the center of, of all of this what really what is the main subject when you read genesis chapter 1 and 2 why it's man man it, it, he mankind is the center of, of of all of this and in verse number 4 we notice something here uh, as we mentioned earlier the, the first mention In in verse number 4, notice the Bible says, They were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. In chapter number 1, we saw the name God 32 times in 31 verses. We mentioned how the, the the Hebrew word God there is the word Elohim. And it's a plural word. And it's referring to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's a plural noun that is almost always used with a singular verb or an adjective. Three distinct persons, but one God. And if you look a little closer here, in chapter number 2, in verse number 4, we see the first mention of... Of another name for God. Same God, just another name form, And you notice here, if you look closely, it says the Lord God. And that word Lord is capitalized. And that is referring to Jehovah God. Jehovah, quoted by Dr. David Cloud, and I'm quoting here, a name for God used in the Old Testament, it refers to God as the one who keeps covenant and mercy with his people. Dr. John Phillips says about, these, about this verse, here in the closing review of creation, the name Elohim is connected with the name Jehovah. Jehovah is the same God, only viewed as being in covenant relation with With those he has created. The first appearance of the name Jehovah. Follows the creation of man. For preeminently it is God's redemptive name. As Elohim he tossed the worlds into space. As Jehovah he plans man's redemption. Before he ever fashioned Adam's clay. That's beautifully written there, quoted word for word by Dr. John Phillips in Exploring Genesis. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. Friends, God planned man's salvation before the creation. This does not mean that God chooses who will go to heaven and who will go to hell. That is not what predestination is. Bible says in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness but as long-suffering to us were, not willing that any should perish, but that all, A-double-L, all, should come to repentance. Now, God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows who will and who will not come to Him. But it's His will that all should be saved. Well, where do you find that at, preacher? John three sixteen. For God so loved the World. The center of creation there. We're at the center here. And in Genesis chapter number two, we come to the, the center of creation. And now, Jehovah, another name for God there, his redemptive name. And how it, the, the verse tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's anyone. Let me finish quoting John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Predestination is based on God's foreknowledge. It has more to do with what the Christian is predestined to than who is pre- predestined. That's Doctor David Cloud. First Peter chapter one verse two says, uh, "Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied." Romans chapter number eight, verse 29For whom he did foreknow. we're talking about predestination here. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image. Of his son. That he might be the firstborn. Among many brethren. Before the foundation. Of the of the world. In, in, in chapter number one. Notice something. God created. The heaven and the earth. Is, is, is the words used there. But yet in chapter number two. It's the Lord God. Made the earth and the heavens. We're the center of the universe here. God before the foundations of the world planned our salvation. We see the summary. First of all, the center of creation, center of creation, verse number 4. Also, by looking at the summary given here, we see the cre- the condition of creation, which is verse number 5 and 6. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. It was a much different time then, but before the flood. Uh, men and women, the Bible tells us, lived to be very old. There was no rain. There were dinosaurs on, on the earth. There's a lot of questions surrounding this issue. But remember in the story of creation, man is the center. God is preparing. In these verses here, and it's a much different time. It's, it's as, as if the world was like a greenhouse. God is preparing a home for man to live in and have dominion over. Psalms chapter 53, verse 1 says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no god. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. You know in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 in these in these verses the bible does not have to persuade people why there is a god. You just open up open up the word of god friend. Look at the first verse. In the beginning god created the heavens and the earth. It's right there. There there is no argument there is no debate. There is no trying to persuade the reader why God exists. It's just, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You know, when you look at creation, and you look really at the book of Genesis, one of uh, the most controversial books, and when I say controversial, not... not uh, in any way, shape, or form, trying to say there's any contradiction. There's not. God's Word is perfect. It's, contra- it's, it's controversial with man, with the flesh. Why? Because they have a hard time believing what's in Genesis. And they like to, the skeptic likes to attack and, and likes to challenge as much as he can. Why? Because if you take away God's authority in creation, You take away salvation. You take away redemption. You take away of all the rest of the Bible. And we touched on that very, very briefly last week. And the condition of creation here in verse number 5 and 6. It was a much different time. And there's a lot of questions, no doubt. But keep in mind, God is preparing a home for man to live in and have dominion over. And we move on here in verse number 7. And we're talking about the conclusion of creation. And then we'll, we'll move on from there. And and we'll get into um, the rest of chapter 2 next next time, which we're going to talk about um, the, the Garden of Eden. We're going to talk about the man's home that God has for him. We're going to talk about Eve, uh, the first woman. And then, of course, the institution of marriage. But let's go ahead and close out this this section here. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Man came from the ground. Fifteen or sixteen elements that make up our bodies are found in the ground. Psalm 139 verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Heavenly Father, use this message for your honor and for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.